Welcome everyone to our Thursday night Stargate Roundtable. We're happy to have all of you here. We have a full team on board and we have Angel Sue to do the opening meditation. So Angel Sue, I pass the talking stick to you. Oh, thank you very much, Marita Robert. And we welcome you all in the light of the most radiant one, which is the light of God that never, never fails. And in the office of the Christ, and only in the office of the Christ, we are invoking those loving energies of St. Germain and the Violet Flame. And we are asking again, and choosing again, to be our divine aspect. And so, as that divine child that you are, call in your support team. Call in the energies of the heart space. Just bring your awareness from your head down into the heart. And breathe. And let that endless mind chatter just float away. And however you connect in with that heart space, whether you put your fingers over your chest bone or whether you use some other technique, this is a time for us to celebrate the choice to bring forth new miracles, new calibrations. They're all available. We just choose and allow the change to happen for the best and highest happiness, the divine solution for ourselves. And if you will, let's do that peace breath. Simply take a breath in. When you're ready, let that breath leave. Exhale. And somewhere say the word peace. And remember when you have really felt wonderful. Peace. And this is where you invite that in deeper to every cell and every atom to hold that understanding that the joy, the happiness, the connection with all there is, that it happens more and more frequently. And you can choose to put that on an autopilot where it'll continue on and keep recalibrating and choose to experience the highest joy this weekend just as an experiment that the miracles and the blessings come through. 
So we just breathe and let the universe provide that and hold that peace. And so with this, for all of your beloved ones, besides your support team, all the ones that you claim in your life, their situations and conditions, all those that you're aware of and not aware of, for Earth, for Nasara, for our faction, Three White Knights and Galactic Forces of Light, that this perfect, divine, happy solution come forth. And that as that divine child that we are, that we can take our stand and make these changes for ourselves and for others with peace. It can come just invited, consciously or unconsciously. And so with the law of one, we can get that divine reset going in the perfect way. And so as you're thinking of all the issues in your life and in the others that you're aware of, this is simply where we say we are all one. And when one is harmed, then all are harmed. As one is helped, then all are helped. And we can choose whether we're in this dimension or we're, we're existing as oneness in other dimensions, other parallels, other timelines, other potentials. And all of this is brought into harmony and happiness, living the divine. And so continuing on with the law of one, therefore in the name of who we are, and we are one with all there is, we ask that only the highest good of all concerned happen here and we're doing this for every man woman child all beings all creatures all of creation and we're giving thanks that this is done in the office of the Christ and so be it so it is. And breathe in that peace moment yet again. And we are so grateful for your choosing, for your doing that work. I just want to say thank you. And may your weekend be truly divine. And I pass that talking stick over to you, Marita Robert. Thank you so much. 
Well, thank you, Angel Sue. We're always happy when you can be with us and uh, open the call for us. So we'll begin here with uh, uh, going around the panel. Let's see what uh, is going on with each one and what kind of information you want to bring to the group. So who would like to go first? Someone want to step forward or do you have to be called on? <laughs> I guess I can go first without being called on if you'd like. All right, go okay. ahead. This is Caroline. Um, well, what the collective, this lovely group of higher beings I channel, what they seem to be saying is that we are in these amazing energies we're experiencing right now. The truth of everything is getting harder and harder and harder to hide. Now, in a way, that can bring about a bit of a shock when we find out what certain people who are in public life have been up to. But in another way, it's really beautiful because we're beginning to see more and more of who we really are, our authentic selves. And so we're going to increasingly have moments where our authenticity is going to come forward to us, sort of like, you know, look, I, I never wanted to eat all these heavy foods, so why am I? You know, we're so going to suddenly start waking up a bit, or I never liked listening to that kind of music, or I don't even like television. Why have I got a TV when I can't stand them? That sort of a thing. And we're just going to increasingly wake up to who we really are, the programming, the training, um, the subliminals, the mind control, all of that is just disintegrating. And sometimes, sure, uh, we realize we've got something we have to heal inwardly, a little bit of a shock, but at other times, it's just a beautiful sense of freedom that we're going to take more time for ourselves in a beautiful, nurturing way, more time for meditation, time outdoors in nature with people we love, and the true self is just going to step forward more and more. So that's just what they wanted to share. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for sharing, and we always enjoy hearing uh, from that perspective <clears throat> what they have to say and, and any guidance or sharing that uh, uh, that they have. Uh, we'll say that Omina is not with us this evening because she's still uh, with her uh, sister or deceased uh, with, a fa with the family, and so uh, we'll send a, a prayer for her and all of her family as they uh, deal with the loss of um, one of their sisters. So they've actually, Maria, they've actually had another loss in the family two days after the sister died. So right. we really need to send light. Right, They're suffering. Yeah. Go ahead. And yeah. anything, anything else that uh, I've had yeah. a, a couple uh, text messages from her, but I haven't had anything this in the last uh, two or three days. So. Um, yeah, well, she she emailed me um, maybe three or four days ago, so probably about the same time she contacted you, and the family are just reeling from these losses, so if we could just hold them in the light, that would be wonderful. Thank you. We do that all together as a team, and all of our listeners as well. Absolutely. So, Randy, let's start with you out there. What do you have to bring to the table tonight? Greetings, everyone. The energies are here to help us assist in our healing journey. You will not release emotional trauma by talking about it. Talking about it brings back the emotions that you were trying to heal. Your mind and soul remembers everything in pictures. 
and stores these pictures in different compartments. If you want to heal these traumas, you need to look at the pictures on stage while sitting in the observation seat. Write down whatever comes to you during the viewing of this picture. And during this, ask questions. Where was this? Who else is here? What is the lesson being taught here? Also try to recall the smells of the picture. What did the room smell like? What did the person smell like? Write down all your answers. The absolute worst thing that can be asked during all of this is this statement. How did you feel? How did that make you feel? This will only make you relive the trauma through the emotional body. The goal here is to unlock that compartment and release the memory, not the emotion. Because once you release the memory, the emotional body will then release the energy it is hanging on to. Emotion is energy in motion. You need to release the memory so that the energy can be released. No one else can do this for you but you. Namaste. Thank you, Randy. And the next one across the top here looks like his Vinayak. Aloha, everyone. Uh, it's great to be with you again. I am feeling so much love and so much joy and compassion for all beings in physical form right now. And I choose to call you because it is the truth that you are all, myself included, angels. So when you're listening for guidance, one of the first angels that you want to listen to and listen for is yourself. And I encourage you much along the lines what Randy was saying is that when you look at whatever you're feeling inside your body, Imagine that you see something, some pain or discomfort or an emotion, and just ask yourself to slide it aside and see what's underneath of that. And keep sliding the various emotions and the various experiences aside and see what's underneath of it. And the beauty of doing this, the ultimate outcome is always going to be peace and love. For that is who you are at the deepest core level of your being. We are all angels spiritually having a physical experience. And everything 
is available to us right now. And just know that you can keep choosing whatever is going on in your life. Keep choosing and feeling the most optimal feeling you can access at any given moment. And I promise you more joy and more love and more excitement of beingness than you've ever experienced up to now. With much love, thank you for listening, and I pass the talking stick. Well, thank you very much. And um, we also have uh, Tara and Rama with us tonight, and um, we'll have... uh, um, whether you have anything to say here before we ask uh, Rama who he's talked to and uh, what um, is there anybody else that has anything to to comment before we uh, pass a talking stick to Rama speak up and we invite our listeners you know you can always call in and ask a question participate uh, and be a part of it um, you can call 888-429-5471. One more time, 888-429-5471. Or another number is 323 744 323-744-4841. So, Call in and um, contribute and ask questions or uh, make comments as we are uh, opening it to the panel as well as our listeners. So, Rama, did you talk to anybody this week? Greetings. Greetings in the light of the most radiant one, everyone. What a story. (laughs) Yes, I talked to many folks this week, and um, I'm going to try to talk about this by keeping it high and in the frequencies of the violet flame and what is being played out are the final moments here and I do mean the final moments as um, it seems insanity has ensued in the District of Columbia and may that great goddess Lady Master Victory called the shots because um, the West Wing, the White House, have lost it. And as it's being said out there, the um, Nancy Pelosi laid it out with, you know, the uh, occupier of the Oval Office. And this 
whole whole story goes into the larger field of what I've been kind of talking about for many years, and it's the ancient ancient story of Sumeria and Babylon and Nibiru and Enki and Enlil and the Anunnaki and the people of Kurdistan or the Kurds are direct descendants of Enki and Enlil and the ancient cities of Sumeria and Babylon. And so they had a combination of languages from uh, um, Aramaic. And I thought of your, your friend, Marita Robert, who's a master in Aramaic language. What's his name again? Oh, you're, oh, you're talking about, talking about Mike, Michael, Michael Rice. Rice. Right. And he and will be, he back, will be with back with us, with us uh, the, first the first week, week in November. November. Good. Got plenty to ask him about the Kurds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this story that is being laid out in front of us, and Mr. Putin yeah. is not going to come and annihilate the Kurds. Yet what's being played out here has to do with these ancient, ancient schisms that have to do with, I would say, it's eons and eons of time of PTSD that goes back to the uh, Orion War and the Fallen Angels and the War in Heaven. And this area of the Middle East, Kurdistan, I visited Kurdistan in the 70s before it became no man's land. And th these were a thriving people. And uh, let's just say Turkey and the United States and other countries have turned these people into basically wandering homeless I mean, on the edge of annihilation. And what this president has done has, it's called ethnic cleansing, pure and simple. And Mr. Erdogan is tied up to his crown chakra in this story. And it is about these ancient, ancient feuds that go back to Sumeria and Babylon and Gilgamesh and Enkidu and these ancient legends that are not really legends, they're real stories and they had sidereal technologies they used. The stories of Sodom and Gomorrah were real. They nuked those cities with sidereal weapons. We're right on the edge of these stories right now. Turkey has, you know, uh, according to what we were told, there's 50 nukes that are in the hands of the U.S. that are sitting in Turkey, and Erdogan doesn't have his hands on them. The U.S. does, yet it is still a scary thought, so to speak. And I'll just add, Astar has neutralized the nukes, but they're playing the brinkmanship game, which is, it's about fear. 
and the false evidence appearing real of creating an atmosphere of absolute um, control. And to answer folks' questions, yeah, Elijah Cummings was, um, I got to say, they took him out, and it has to do with the ongoing war going on between these 13 families. And they're at their end. That's what everybody's telling me. And it makes perfect sense that this would come up right at this time as Mars is coming into the scene and Mercury and Scorpio and the end of these uh, planetary cycles. Mercury's about to go retrograde at the end of this month, Halloween. All of these things play into the grand scheme of what's being played out right now in the Middle East with the Kurds, Turkey, Syria, and Iran. And it is about these ancient, ancient people. And Nibiru's in the mix of the story as well. And what I'm being told is that as things are getting more and more out of control, there are folks that are going to come forward and tell the real story about these ancient lands and what actually happened, that the earth is a lot older than anybody is telling us, and how these ancient legends are not legends, but they're real and it ties in with the Mahabharata and the Mahayana and the Hinayana and the Ramayana and how all these various ancient stories connect with Sumeria and Babylon because this was a worldwide story that was going on at the same time as Sumeria the ancient Anunnaki Babylonians were landing in ancient Peru and Cusco and other areas of that's, South America. That's that book where rocks cry out. Who's that by again? Horace Butler. Yeah, that's a very critical book. And they used... Mesopotamia wasn't over there. It was no. down in South America. Yeah. And they use sound frequencies to create their technologies, a combination of color, light, sound, vibration. You can levitate stones, you can set them into place, cut the stones, shape them perfectly, just like all the, um, um, the ancient carvings in Abu Simbu in Egypt, as you travel along the Nile, you'll see Ramses and his queen there. All that done, was done with laser technology. And I'm just saying, all these stories are going to come out now. In a weird, twisted way, the show Ancient Aliens is right on, but 
it's high drama what they play with and they twist stuff and they put stuff that's not true in there as well as stuff that is true so it's kind of like sifting through the weeds yet it makes perfect sense that this story would come up right now with Babylon and Sumeria and the Kurds and why they want to destroy this area of the Kurds because there are stargates in these areas as well yeah, yeah this the, Rama found this uh, I got this idea that we should look up the uh, you know the ancient Kurdish history and and you know they've been genocided over hundreds of years and uh, this man Muh. Um, Musin Verksain, he said as an 18-year-old Kurdish young man in 2004, I started searching for my identity in a time as I felt that I knew nothing about myself, and even worse, my own people had conflicting information about the Kurdish nation. And then he says, Herr Kurd Buyan. U Her Kurd Abin. Yet very early on, I realized I was not Persian. I was not an Arab, and I certainly was not a mountain Turk. In search of those three questions, I found a book named The Return of Planet X, Wormwood, written by Dr. Jason Q. Rand. This was a book about the cataclysms that may occur as a larger planet enters our solar system according uh, astrologically and, uh, and, and um, uh, at stories that were written about in ancient civilizations. And Dr. Jason Rand points out that many ancient civilizations talk about such a planet in different names, yet the most important and documented one is the Sumerian civilization, which is eastern Mesopotamia. So I started researching the subject because I knew that at the time most of Mesopotamian most of Mesopotamia was Kurdistan. Yes. You know that land, that country doesn't exist anymore. They just absorbed the Kurds in four different areas and they don't have a country. This kept me asking more questions. So the Sumer Sumer Kurdish connection, the Sumerians had one of the oldest civilizations on the planet, and certainly in the Middle East. The civilization with the first system of law they had, and the first formal educational system they had, the first tax cut, the first... <laughs> tax cut? That's what it says. Oh, my. The, fir the first love song, and the list goes on. Coincidentally, I thought, actually quite naturally, with my current understanding, I came across a subject that mentions the name, name Kurds and Kurdish very often. In the first few pages of the book, Dr. Rand mentions that the Sumerians called this planet Nibiru. So the planet that they're talking about, Nibiru, coming in, they are saying could suggest that there would be some quakes going on. There have been stories about this, and mm -hmm. I've been told directly by mother that mm, 
there may be some earth changes, but a lot of this has been mitigated since the time Gordon Michael Scallion and Lori Toye put out those maps. Yeah. We are not going to watch California break off like in the movie 2012. No. Yet and still, with all the mitigation, it's not completely not. It's you know there is stuff going on. Yeah. San Francisco just had a four point six or a six point four earthquake. Well, you got to get that one right because that's a big difference. I every, think it was this. Every single magnitude is much bigger than. Yeah, I think it was four point six near San oh, okay. Francisco. Okay, oh, that's that's just that's not so bad, but um. In fact, the first few pages of the book, um, yes, um, he he mentions that this planet, Nibiru, is symbolized mostly in the Zartosht religion, which is an ancient Kurdish religion with a planet with a wing on it, meaning Nibiru had a wing on it. In mm-hmm. fact, Sumer, or Schumer, was called Ki-En-Gir, Land of the Civilized Kings, Kingdom of the Blazing Fire, by people who lived there in that time 6,000 years ago. Now we're talking about biblical text. The name Ki-En-Gir was the original name of this, this ancient civilization of the Kurdish people. The first occupiers of Ki and Gir, the Akkadians, mm-hmm. changed the name to Sumer. So tell about the Akkadians, Rama, because you know you watched that animated thing for Yeah, um, Spartacus. Um, the Akkadians were uh, different branches of the Anunnaki people that were colonizing different parts of planet Earth in their giant winged spaceships as they would come over and land. And they would um, lay out um, different areas they would control and colonize. And um, they, they used technologies to control the people that I don't uh, condone or agree with and it was about slavery at that time even unto this day and the mind control that they used to keep the people in a state of docileness I don't think they used uh, uh, what's that stuff they put in toothpaste um you know, fluoride, I don't think uh, Aiken and Yil and Lil had fluoride back in ancient Acadia or Sumeria. Well, how did fluoride get into the story of the Acadians? They used mind control and technology to control the masses of people. Oh, and fluoride's one of those Fluoride's mind one things. of the substances Hitler used to keep the people docile. That's and just, right. That's and just, right. you know... Uh, Go and plow those fields and, you know, yeah. So back to the uh, Anunnaki story and relationship of the Kurds. The Sumerians had many gods, and they called them the Anunnaki. And the Sumerians and the Kurds are 
you know, linked here. According to some researchers, such as Dr. Zachariah Sitchin, the Anunnaki gods were ancient extraterrestrials, and now we know that's true. According to some other researchers, they are mythological gods. In any case, they have, they have names that we as Kurds understand ourselves to be for the last 6,000 years. Today, the names of these Anunnaki gods can still be found in important historic Kurdish cities and in mythological places on monuments all over Kurdistan. Dr. Zachariah Sitchin, 1920-2010, one of the few scholars able to read and interpret these ancient Sumerian clay tablets, mentioned many times in his books that the ancient people of Sumer are the people who are called Kurds today. Key and gear. So, in 2014, after 10 years of research on this subject, I was pretty sure the ancient people of Sumer, or more accurately, Key and Gear, were my people, the Kurdish people, who have been victims of a historic genocide that has no difference with any other genocides because we have suffered the consequences of this mis informational agenda by our occupiers, especially in northern Kurdistan or Bakur, where the Turks who came to our country a few hundred years ago call our proud ancient nation Mountain Turks, although that's in not the true mm-hmm. name. Key and Gear was Kurdish. Even the gear in the name of Key and Gear is a Kurdish word, gir, girtan, unchanged after 6,000 years. I am happy to find out that a Kurdish researcher, Soran Hamaresh, has, caught, has also come to the same conclusion and has documented this very accurately in his book, Who Are the Kurds? And then they give some examples of Sumerian Kurdish words, like in English, my God is my mother. In Sumerian, it's dingir mu amamu. In Kurdish, it's dingir, just the letter M, amama. In English, man of the God. Sumerian, it's ludingira. <laughs> There's the ra, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Kurdish, it's lodingira. In English, God is my life. In Sumerian, it's dingir zimu. In Kurdish, it's dingir zima. <laughs> they talk about the goddess. Uh, in English, she or he. In Sumerian, it's ane. In Kurdish, it's au and ana. A-N-A. In English, they means in Sumerian, anane. In Kurdish, it's Uanan and Uauan. <laughs> English, moreover. Sumerian, Anga, Kurdish, Anja or Auja. In English, consequently, Sumerian is Angam. In Kurdish, it's Anjam. In English, water. In Sumerian, it's A. In Kurdish, it's Au. And then they have in parentheses, Av, A-V, is frequently used in the big cities instead of Av. In English, hello. In English, um, the word prisoners of war 
In Sumerian, it's Asiri. In Kurdish, it's Asir. In English, flower. In Sumerian, it's As, in A-S, and then in Kurdish, it's A-S, As. In English, butterfly. In Sumerian, Asaj, A-S-A-G. I don't think it's, or may, might be harder, Asag. In Kurdish, it's Asik, A-S-I-Q. In English, glory, important. In Sumerian, it's Arata. In Kurdish, it's Harat. In English, child. In Sumerian, it's Banda. And in Kurdish, it's Banda. In English, commodity. In Sumerian, it's Burgi, B-U-R-G-I. In Kurdish, it's Barga, like bargain, you know. Mm. Uh, in English, a servant. Sumerian is Bursag. In, in Kurdish, it's Bursak, B-U-Barsak, B-A-R-S-A-Q. A new age. This is an important discovery. We, as Kurds, start to get answers about our origins, answers that have been hidden by our occupiers for many, many centuries, mm-hmm. as not hidden for all of the ages. We fully respect our Turkish, Arab, and Persian brothers. And our aim is to live peacefully with every culture and nation. Yet historic mistakes should be corrected. We are not Persians. We are not Turks. We are not Arabs. We are Kurdistani. And still, Kien Giri, Kien, kingdom, and Gir, blazing fire. We are the kingdom of the blazing fire. Mm. Um, the sources are the Lost Book of Anki, Zechariah Sitchin, the Twelfth Planet, same Zechariah Sitchin, Genesis Revisited, Zechariah Sitchin, and The Return of Wormwood, or Planet X, Dr. Jason Q. Rand, which is another name for Nibiru. Who are the Kurds? So, so they're Nibiruans in their actual Correct. origin. Correct. And this is why this story is so pertinent to right now. Why did we invade Iraq? Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. And here we are. What Turkey is doing is, along with the agreement of President Trump, is trying to genocide completely eliminate mother's people. Correct. The original Nibiruan This people. is ethnic cleansing. This is why she comes. So and this is all the too. stories are coming forth oh, yeah. now to bring healing with the return of the goddess. I passed the talking stick. Well, <laughs> you, you, you got a call this morning from Larry Curley and Natasha. Yes. And they all said to me, Lord Rama, the president is using the language of ethnic cleansing and this whole story of Kurdistan which is no longer in other words they literally took their country away and and took their identity away and took their language the Sumerian clay tablets away and have erased it from the history books so this is why mother comes yeah this is the end so so how long long has this been been going going on? on Oh, well, in the more recent history, every Republican uh, since Nixon has done ethnic cleansing of the Kurdish people. And there's a story for every single one of these Republican presidents. presidents. Uh, Yeah. 
And they have backstabbed the Kurds. In other words, they've been trying for a very long time to get rid of the true story about Mother and Nibiru and the Kurdish people. They've actually tried to come to the UN and actually form a body where they can actually have a governing, a form of some kind of stable government instead of what we kind of got now with the Kurdish people and one of their top uh, people got killed in the last few days, a woman. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and two journalists were killed. Yeah. Uh, by the Turks uh, bombing that place. And um, the other thing that was made very clear uh, more than one time is that it is no way that Russia is going to fight with Turkey to kill Kurdish people. That is a complete... And that's the most serious problem. Russia has never done anything that's ever being said that they have. You know, they said Russia took this plane out of the sky over the Ukraine. No, they didn't. Netanyahu did. Yeah, along, along with the West. And um, uh, uh, I just had to point that point out. And the other thing, and I... We need to say this. It's very challenging. And we, unless you have walked in another people's shoes, we may not judge this. Because remember, Netanyahu, not Netanyahu, Bob, President Trump was an experiment by the 13 families. And, meaning that they genetically predisposed his sireship by mixing DNA of Mussolini and Hitler in a Petri dish implanted it in a Dutch royal princess in South Africa where he was born and intentionally covered that whole story up and his true name again as we said is not Trump it's Mr. Drump D-R-U-M-P-F and those aren't his parents those are members of the 13 family where his uh, his uh, stepfather Fred was a Ku Klux Klan leader who lynched and 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 burnt to death black people on a regular basis. And his his wife, uh, President Trump's um, stepmother, despised him, never touched him, didn't do anything, and hired somebody else to do whatever was to be done with that. And two two years later, she had another child by Fred, and she doted on him, and she would leave uh, 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 the country for the whole summer and not even see him at all, and take the child with him and go to Sweden, where the, her origins and her family are from. And she did that all through his childhood. And, um, and, and then um, he got in trouble. When he was 10, 11, 12 years old, he was sneaking out in New York and collecting knives. Oh my goodness. And getting in trouble. So so the stepfather put him in military school. That was the solution. And again, and as he were to come home for the summers, he didn't see his mother at all. So I'm just or his stepmother. So this is an example of a child being raised without love. And so again, that doesn't give him a, a, a getaway free card. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 and so we got to mention that 
uh, Putin has this copy of this videotape, Marita Robert, where President Trump was filmed in the hotel in St. Petersburg, violently raping and murdering a 12-year-old child. That tape was brought in the summer, in the summer, in July, about the third week of July, uh, when Mr. Putin stayed at the summer home of President Macron, and he was given a copy of the tape. Uh, President Macron was. He stayed there for about four days, and they talked about in detail all of that. And then um, in August, at the G7 uh, meeting about the middle of August, I think it was the 17th or something, yes. uh, 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 President Macron was the host, you know, in, in the south of France, uh, beautiful off the Atlantic. Um, uh, uh, he invited the the prime minister, I mean, the foreign minister of Iran, who flew in and flew out in two hours, and he was given a top copy of that videotape, and he was shown it. And there were all kinds of people around Macron uh, that were there, too. And President Trump was not invited, and, and nor were any of his people. And then uh, uh, the foreign minister of, of, of Iran... Uh, he went to uh, show the tape to President uh, Erdogan when they got together somewhere in there, uh, somewhere between August and September. And so all three of these are pictured in a Internet picture where they're shaking hands. President Putin, President, um, uh, President uh um, Erdogan and President uh, Rouhani of in of of Iran, and so what are they shaking hands about? They have agreed to bring the tape and show the world what President Putin did. President President Trump. President Trump. This is the third time I did this dyslexia on those names. That's weird. President Trump did at that St. Petersburg hotel, and then somewhere in the last couple of weeks. President Macron invited and had uh, uh, from the European Union, all 29 countries uh, of the European Union came came to meet uh, somewhere in France with President Macron, and all 29 countries got a t- copy of that videotape. So they are also going to be joining with these other three and presenting this crime to the world. Yes. This is not okay to judge because unless you have not sinned, let yourself cast the first stone. Let him who's not sinned. And that is or her. The point is that the only thing that changes this is, as Margaret Mead said, a small group of concerned citizens who do the spiritual work every single day and clear at a deeper and deeper level our own stuff and Akashic records help, and learning language or learning the meanings of words in language. So we're going to get to hear from our Aramaic master here, Michael Rice, uh, in in early November. So let's get our questions ready, (laughs) because this is a big story. Did you want to say something, Rama, or is anybody else? Marita, you got any questions or anything? No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Rama, did you have something to comment about it? Um, what I can say, 
about this is that uh, on a larger scale, how the truth comes out about these ancient visitors who... <gasps> yeah. I, Mary is also the mother of Donald Trump. This is Mary Ann McLeod. In 1929, she illegally immigrated to the United States. Is she a Dutch royal? Say possible. Don't know. I don't know, but it has to be a Dutch royal. And she. No, that would be his adoptive mother who ignored him. Oh, okay. Marianne McLeod would be the woman that Fred Trump married. Um, and I just asked Randy what, you know, what country she immigrated from, and, and he, he isn't sure, but that information wouldn't be readily available. Uh, it'd probably be hidden, you know? Um, well, what we were told is that his stepmother was from Sweden. Yeah, Okay. Uh, so that's now what, you. You maybe need to explain what you know. We're talking about something here that the listeners don't know that that what what's in the, in our side screen here. We, oh, okay. uh, we're looking at a picture that Commander Randy put up from the internet. Yeah, and it's a picture of of, of Mary McLeod, and as Caroline was saying, that. She is the stepmother of President Trump. And uh, so that was an interesting piece of information. And on the top of the picture, it says this is Mary Ann McLeod, M-A-C-L-E-O-D, in 1979. No, no 1929. 29, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and illegally she immigrated to the United States. And then underneath it says Mary is also the mother of, or the stepmother of Donald Trump. Yeah, she could be easily Swedish, I think. That's, yeah, she could be. Uh, I, that, that's, that's, that's what's on the side screen. Um, I'm just wondering, going back to the loss of uh, Representative uh, Cummings, why did they specifically take out that gentleman? Uh, because he was directly uh, connected with exposing Trump's taxes and what's happened in the state of New York concerning the Violations of the Emoluments Clause. And the money laundering that he's been doing. And all the people he's screwed over the years where they haven't been paid for the work that they've done. He, oh. Yeah. I mean, it is so insane. And I think yeah. that uh, Donald Trump and all of those folks in Washington uh, amp it amped it up. To get rid of him, you know, he started. They started this when he got into office. When he, when, when President Trump got into office, that's when um, uh, Elijah was starting to get uh, ill with this situation, and it just progressed. 
Okay. And then remember that big story where Donald Trump was very nasty to him just a couple of months ago or something. And saying Baltimore was a rat-infested hellhole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that stuff. So, And uh, I'm just, it kind of really, really caught, got to me uh, that he was uh, pronounced dead this morning. Um, that's just, he's 68 that's years old. Real loss. He was only 68, had many years left, I think. That's a real loss. Absolutely. Yeah, the whole thing. And, and such an incredible being, yeah, you know, living right with the people every Absolutely. single day. So, and I mean, I saw, um, what's her name, Barbara Lee. Barbie. She was just devastated. I could see it in her face. Tonight she was on Rachel. And um, I just, you know, yeah. Uh, and uh, also, Rama asked a little bit, did they try to do something to Bernie? And they pretty much indicated, you know, keep yourself out of this. But, you know, it's an ongoing investigation, which usually means yes. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. The worst. Well, they really do. are scared. They really are desperate and scared. They yes. are. And it's a hand. This they, is why they all know they're going down, and they are just kicking and screaming all the way. Boy. So, again, I want everybody to realize how important it is that we do the work that we do together. And before we get to the next uh, person here... Um, um, Rama spent the whole day a couple of days ago... Uh, uh, panhandling with the homeless people in Santa Fe because we didn't have the money to pay the bill to keep the television on. And that's not happening. So I just wanted to say that this particular show in the last three months has only contributed $125. And so I just would really suggest that... Um, a little bit more support come for this particular show because it would help a lot. And it doesn't have to be all on Marita, but uh, I, I would just pray that everyone, whether it's Marita or everyone else, that we just have to do this now, you know. And, and we lost uh, another dear brother who was making quite a significant contribution uh, and I think it's got to do with dementia. I don't know if he's gone completely, but uh, that made a significant dent in what comes in here. So, um, and uh, reach out to others and, you know, send copies of that Nasara 30-pager or however many pages are up there and send it to many people and educate them. And, you know, very clearly, Dr. Rich Wolf was on... Uh, on Tom Hartman this morning at 11.06, and he said that the uh, United States economy is in absolutely, extremely unstable condition. And so I'm going to mention this very strongly. Do take all of your money out of any big bank, because even if it's just a little bit, it's all going to be gone and it will never come back. 
And so there, Rama was told it would be at least 72 hours and it could be longer. So take the money if you don't have any other credit union around you and just take it out and put it under your mattress or whatever and have something a little bit snuff for everything, you know, for three to six or three days to a week or whatever. But there is going to be that transition. And if you have family members or our neighbors, I mean, pass this information out. You know, when people that are having a good business and they're doing all of it in the, and Don and Doug, please hear it out. No matter what you got, put it in a credit union because it's going to be gone. And there we go. There aren't, there aren't too many people alive who remember what happened during the Great Depression because somebody warned my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, the banks are going to grab everybody's money, so get yours out. He got his money out, and thankfully, <laughs> he still fell apart with the with the depression, but at least he got that. And um, I said to my aunt, she was telling me this story many years ago, and I said, what about all the other people? Did they ever get their money back? And she said, no, they didn't. In no. fact, this thing that... Um, this bank, uh, Wells Fargo, pulled where they opened eight million, uh, eight accounts per person, per customer right. for a while. Right. Money. Those people never got their money back, from what I understand. And no. the, the CEO and one of the other execs walk away with millions, two and three digit millions, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they quit their jobs, but they get incredible settlements. And it's just, banks just look out for themselves, end of story. You know, we don't count as humans. And they seem to have given up some of their humanity in the process of being in a big bank. So um, I would just really clear the heck away from them. Uh, Credit unions are the way to go. Um, So I'm glad that Ram and Tara warned people about that, because I remember that story from my aunt. I'll never forget it. And it, it certainly puts the fear of God into you, yeah. Mm-hmm. This time it's going to be different. You know, the, the entire global economy gets shut down and every country on earth loses whatever they have in those big banks and it doesn't come back. And then the SARA comes up and everybody's going to get what they're going to get. Well, and- yeah. Nassara had better come. If every bank in the world goes down, Nassara had better come up as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, well, see, just to remind everybody that uh, every bank on earth is totally insolvent and has been for years, for at least a decade since 2008. The thing that's weird about now is that every, every week uh, for the last three and a half weeks or so, um, Every time the markets close down at the end of the day, every bank, big bank, is taking like dozens of billions of dollars and putting it, you know, fake money to just go another day. In other words, this has been, I mean, it's so outrageous. It's just unbelievable what's going on. And then we heard that Trump is making all this money. Uh, They're doing this thing where they... um, Oh, let's see if I can understand it. It's 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 rigging the market, and Tom Hartman and Tom Tom Hartman and um, uh, Richard Professor Wolf. Richard Wolf were discussing it this morning, and I still sit there and what did you say? 
but they're 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 putting in these uh, these bets, and um, they know what's going to happen. They know they know they know what the outcome is going to be. It's just like what uh, President Trump and uh, Mr. Blumenthal and Mr. Silverstein did uh, the night before 9/11, and they put all these put they're called put options, yeah, into the stock market. And they made a bet, and they knew what was going to happen the next day, and they made billions and billions of dollars, and that's what Trump is doing right now. Mm-hmm. And they don't know who's doing it. You know, somebody else is doing it in his behalf, and he's raking in billions. And this is so – and he's going to get caught. He's but gonna- most of it is, is just fake. All they're doing is moving di- digits around inside of a computer, you know? And the only real money anybody has is if you've, you're holding cash in your hand. And even that has questionable value <laughs> because no of our value. system. Absolutely no value. None. The only thing that's really going to have any value is gold. Yeah. That's and it. silver. Well, yeah, silver. But silver precious is... Metals and precious jewels, yeah. Yeah, and precious jewels. Oh, okay. India is very smart. They're the ones that keep on to those things. They do. China's doing that too. They're hogging gold like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> they know. Oh, I'm not surprised. They're not um, dumb. Don, <laughs> we, uh, we need to call Michael Rice on a different, or Michael King on a different number. I've put it in the bar over here. Uh, he's had a family emergency and had to go away from his office, and so He's going to be on the call, and he's waiting for us to call him on the number I've written in the sidebar. Okay, now go ahead with the conversation. Oh, okay. Okay, Commander Don, I hope you heard Marita, and then you got the number out there. <laughs> okay. Dara, yeah. I by a friend of mine who works the Stock Exchange of Australia that over 90% of the tradings are not human done it's all done by computer yeah the people are only there to give the illusion that something is actually happening yeah it's been that yeah. way for a while mm-hmm. yeah they uh, run along certain algorithms somebody yeah. might be setting up the algorithms but um they're determining what the markets are what's going on with the banks it's not a question of market conditions it's a question of manipulations they're called insi- insider trading. That's what it's called. And another word that Professor Wolf called it is casino capitalism. Oh, nice. And, and, and what insider trading means is that they have been tipped off as to what's going to happen the next day. And so then they put these things, they call them uh, E-mins, E-minis, E-minis. Uh, anyway... On, on the Michael, 28th of Michael June. Michael is here whenever you finish up oh, there. Okay. On the 28th of June, um, Mr. Drumpf made $1.8 billion off of that, and it's been going on all summer. So, uh, I, and I'm, I'm sure it gets split between all kinds of naughty kids. And 8 million people lost their homes. And everybody in that cabinet of Trump and him and all these other people around them, they all stole the money. When they stole the people's homes, they bought those people's homes for a penny, you know, and then they sold them for a whole bunch more money and they stuck it all in their pockets. And that's what we got in the White House. Pass the talking stick and we say, 
13 thank yous, honey, in the heart, no evil. And we are the ones we've been waiting for. Pass this talking stick to you, Marita Robert. Well, thank you, um, everyone. And we have our guest tonight, uh, Michael King. Uh, he has been here before, and he's such a well uh, rounded and well-educated person. He is continually studying, and so he brings us a lot of different information. So, uh, Michael, step forward, and let's hear what you have to say tonight. Hi. So, Hi. Uh, I apologize for being a little bit late. Um, I had a minor to major family crisis <laughs> at hand, and I was tending to it and forgot. Um and so what we'll talk tonight, tonight will be uh, a method that I will be able to apply to this uh, developing situation. Um, <clears throat> this is about uh, adamantine particles and um, adamantine particles and how they are at the basis of all physical reality, all dimensions of life, consciousness itself and even the soul <clears throat> now the material uh, that this came from some of you may be familiar with um, it's called love without end jesus speaks the author is glinda green it's an old book it's uh i think it was written in the 70s um <clears throat> it happened to be uh a book in 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 amongst some of my sister's um, extensive metaphysical library, and and uh, I happened to be moving it, delivering some back to her because uh, I had stuff in storage, and I came across this. I didn't have room uh, to put it anywhere in the in the truck, and uh, this last box, and so I uh, took this book. And, and started reading it. Um, uh, Love Without End, Jesus Speaks, Glinda Green. In there, Jesus talks, uh, what happened is, let me give you some background because this is an important part of the story. Um, Glinda is um, a, a painter. She's rather accomplished in her own rights. And um, she, uh, her husband woke up one night and said, you know what, I, you're going to paint a picture of Jesus. And she said, you're delirious, go back to sleep. Well, <clears throat> I think it was that night or shortly, a few nights later, that their whole house burned down. And uh, they lost everything. Uh, a few months later, um, he asked her again, um, what do you, you know, have you given any more thought about painting Jesus? And she said, there's no way. The only way that I would ever do such a thing is if he showed up physically and, uh, you know, and modeled for me, basically. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, uh, interestingly enough, it wasn't very much longer after that that uh, she, she uh, had this illuminating experience in which... Uh, an image of Jesus standing there with a lamb in his, in his arms and a cloud behind him. It's a scenic scenario. And um, a cloud behind him in the shape of a lion. So here's your lion and the lamb. Uh, 
and uh, in this uh, in this image, it's, it's a burst of light uh, that hit her sixth chakra, and she saw this completely. Uh, the whole scene, um, and and it stayed with her for several more months as she finally agreed uh, to paint this picture. It was this, it's a still picture, but it was alive in a sense, or you know. Um, it was an image of how Jesus looked when he was walking on the earth. Now, as an aside, I want to point this out, that this book was written in the 70s, I think, and uh, and in it, Jesus paints a, uh, has her paint a picture of him carrying a lamb with a lion in the clouds, uh, you know, basically a cloud in the shape of a lion. So here you have the lion and the lamb. And most uh, <clears throat> most of you might know that the Isaiah 9-11 that says the lion and the lamb uh, will lie down together in the, in the New Age, basically, the Golden Age. Uh, and that's a, a common phrase. Uh, many of you might remember that. <clears throat> However, if you go to your Bibles today into the Old Testament, look up Isaiah 9:11. You will find that the Bibles in the time stream that we are in today, and I'm I'm referring to the Mandela effect here. The ones that you know our time stream evidently uh, has blended into this one. And I have an old Bible, an old family Bible in the house here, and I checked this out at least a few months ago. I haven't checked recently, but the Lion and the Lamb. <clears throat> is no longer that phrase in Isaiah 9:11 it's the wolf and the lamb will lie down together so it's confirmation to me that time streams have merged and we happen to be in the wolf version of the time stream and uh, my understanding is that some of the positive time streams in which lion and the lamb would make more sense have merged into the negative time stream in which wolf and the lamb uh, would make more sense. <clears throat> and uh, we're together in this time stream. Now, whether we'll ever split off of it, I don't know. But there's some indication that possibly in the next six months, some something um, just might radically shift on the planet. Um, and uh, uh, But I'm, I won't go into that right now. We just... What I want to discuss is what uh, Jesus began to share with Glinda as she was painting this over this picture over a span of months. He would actually appear to her physically, and uh, and he was tangible, touchable, uh, observable. No one else could see him though, um, and she had in-depth conversations with him about the nature of life, of love, his mission on earth, his perspectives on numerous things, from uh, diet to uh, um, <clears throat> manifesting material wealth to a, a number of things. I've only read about a third of the book, so I don't know all the rest of the story. However, in an, one of the early chapters, there, there's discussion about the adamantine particles, 
So I had to look that up. What is adamantine? I figured it was the name that he came up with, but it's actually a name that indicates that the particles, or uh, adamantine, it means the most basic, undividable, uh, correct word, I think it's indivisible, um, primal, foundational particle. Um, you can't get any smaller than this. So we know that the atom is 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 divisible. We have protons, we have electrons, we have neutrons, and quarks, and who knows what else that make up a, a an atom. <clears throat> so that's not the smallest particle in existence. In fact, atoms. I think we have 117 so far in our periodic chart. So there's 117 atoms that we're aware of, and there's many more that we suspect. Now, so, but those are constructed of adamantine particles. <clears throat> now, what Jesus described was that these particles have some very interesting characteristics. Number one, they're primal. They're at the root of all material manifestations. But not only are they they the foundation of mass, but they are also the foundation of spirit, of energy, let me say, of energy. <clears throat> Not spirit, they're a foundation of energy. Um, so they, they, they are neutral in and of themselves. They are this m most primal, formative uh, um, particle that, that forms both energy and mass, and, <clears throat> and they... Uh, being neutral, they split into positive and negative, more or less. Now, I correlated that right away with Lanzara's work. It's the Stranger in the Pentagon, for those of you who are familiar with this. Stranger in the Pentagon is actually an extraterrestrial from Venus who spent three years with in the Pentagon and then is still part of the Earth, but he spent several years... Um, he, he, he basically his time in the Pentagon was during Eisenhower's day, and he um, tried to convince Eisenhower and the industrial military complex to go peaceful and get rid of their nuclear weapons, and and uh, and he would sh he would be willing to share the Venusian technologies that uh, if the world would pursue peace, these technologies would be shared openly uh, to help solve all of their energy problems and, and population problems and, and uh, food problems, etc. Um, Eisenhower was in favor of this, evidently. Uh, the military-industrial military complex was not. And he could not convince them to go forward with that. So it didn't happen then. And, uh, and Lanzara, uh, also known as uh, Valiant Thor, um, has there's pictures of him there they have photographs that have been taken of him and two of his his uh, crewmates uh on his own craft um he is a very high ranking member in the Venusian civilization um they their order is over 33 million years uh after uh they defeated the same dark forces that we are in the process of defeating 
So they've been developing spiritually uh, for 33 million years ahead of us, you could say. Now, Lanzara has written uh, some books, or they've been published, uh, partly um, the uh, several, several books by him or by people who met and were talked, uh, uh, taught by him, so, uh, several people, and healed by him in different ways or protected in different ways. And uh, so there are several books. You can find them on Amazon.com. Just look up uh, Stranger in the Pentagon and you'll find plenty of materials about, uh, there's about, I don't know, eight or ten books. I bought them all, read most of them. Um, but the, Michael? Um, yeah. Uh, um, uh, Craig Campobasso has uh, some, some books that he's brought through, was, uh, talks about Thor living there, and, he, and like that is the being that you're talking about as well. Have you read any of his, or are you aware of him? We've had him on the show here several times. Yeah, we have. He knew Dr. Frank Stranges. Oh, yeah. Who actually knew Valiant Thor quite well. Amazing Okay, stories, so what, what is this gentleman's name? Craig Campobasso. He is a um, he's he a filmmaker in the uh, movie industry. Uh, he has he he actually made a uh, like a pilot film of ten or fifteen minutes that was uh, <clears throat> they usually show these at the film festivals once and they showed his I think six times because there were so many people from around the world that came to see it. But he mm-hmm. is wanting to do a full length movie but he has uh channeled i think it's four books now um and it's all about uh <clears throat> thor and, and these people in the pentagon so oh okay how do you spell that last name i, w- I want to get those c a m p o b o s s o cool see that's a name that i, I had not seen uh you know, amongst the list of books around valiant thor so so I'm I'm delighted that you had that connection with uh, Craig and and about Valiant Thor because then you you'll uh, appreciate all the more what Valiant Thor says about the adamantine particles. But he doesn't use that those words. <clears throat> One of his books is about the science of the Venusian science, and uh, and the way he describes it is that there are two kinds of electrons there and. Each kind has uh, uh, two sides to their own nature. So an electron can be either negative or positive. And then within the, each one of them, the negative will have a negative and positive polarity, and the positive electron will have a positive and negative polarity. So they're going to be opposite, mirror opposites of each other. So here you get the duality. <clears throat> so... If I combine what Jesus is saying and combine what Val Thor is saying, the adamantine particles are neutral. He's very clear about these um, particles having no bias of any kind. But they form bias. They form first energy and mass. And then from there, they continue to, to, to polarize, you could say. Um, I'm assuming he didn't say that specifically, but uh, and these way the way Valiant Thor described them is that they are uh, 
uh, mental and, and um, uh, electro and magnetic, okay? So the negative electron is electro, the positive electron is um, uh, magnetic or vice versa. I forget, it's been a while. And so, and then each one of the, each one of them will have a plus and minus side to them. Well, the mental aspects create the physical world, and the emotional aspects, the feminine aspects, uh, magnetic aspects, create the spirit, the soul. The soul and uh, magnetism and a number of invisible characteristics. <clears throat> now, uh, and and uh, there's a, a tremendous science around that, and this is Venusian. So, uh, what Jesus has been talking about, was talking about in the 70s, is uh, that the fundamental adamantine particles from which all material existence is formed is connected to two other parts of a trinity. <clears throat> the first part is love, the second part is spirit, and the third part is the adamantines. Now, love is equated to the Father, or source, primal source, let's say. And uh, <clears throat> spirit is obviously, in the sense, what we refer to as the Holy Spirit. Okay? He, he equates that, if I understand correctly, to what we might refer to as the unified field. Now, <clears throat> it takes the three together to really um, construct a material existence. And, and the adamantine particles are commanded, as Jesus emphasized over and over again, they are commanded, not controlled. They are commanded with what I would refer to as intention. In other words, your passion, your drive, your intention, your expectations, <clears throat> the things that you love, they are, these particles are given a task. And the task is to construct that which you are passionate about, that which you love. So they are commanded by love. As and he's in, uh, he, he, it's very important to to grasp that concept, evidently, because he repeated it over and over and over again. That love imbues the spirit, because the spirit, um, you could say is an expression of love, and it's inseparable from love. <clears throat> and the adamantine par particles are the result of love expressing through us, giving um, <clears throat> the neutral aspects of what we might call the unified field a, a blueprint for it to begin shaping a uh, material existence. Now, that material existence could be consciousness. Now, the first, the birth of, of the first soul is basically the birth of consciousness, 
awareness, uh, beyond awareness, you have awareness and you have consciousness. Those are two different things. Awareness is the nature of love. Awareness of what is. Consciousness is <clears throat> basically the uh, discoverer of what is through experience. It's the experiencer of what is. And the adamantine particles are there to form experiences and to develop consciousness. So this is the best I, I have come out of the material. So uh, <clears throat> uh, with what limited amount I've, I've read in it, but it, it's it. So uh, bear with me in case I end up uh, missing some points here. But this is the best I've been able to put it together. Now, <clears throat> what this means is that in order to materialize an event or physical objects or uh, construct a business or follow a passion and be successful at it, <clears throat> we are going to automatically, uh, by default, work with these three things which are one. So the Trinity is one because you cannot separate adamantine particles from uh, from the unified field or from the the neutral uh, plane of existence, the supply, the unending supply of infinite potential, you cannot separate that because it's, it's derived from or morphed out of, not as a separate entity, not as a separate being. It's sort of like an amoeba morphs into a, a replica of itself. Okay, they appear separate, but they come from the same source, and they have the same genetics, etc., so we are morphed out of the unified field as an expression of love from the passion, the intention, the deliberate intention of love and with the intent to experience what is, to fully imbue uh, material existence now, uh, with, uh, with to imbue the uh, to uh, have a physical experience, let's say, uh, of what is as it is as what is is expressed through material world, something like that. So we are attempting to experience God, the Father, the divine principle. This is the life and teachings of the Masters of the Far East referred to God the Father as the divine principle, the principle. The uh, And that would be <clears throat> love. Uh, and there's a phrase in the uh, life and teachings of the Masters of the Far East by Barrett Spaulding, his materials, that's where Jesus says, if you say the word God with meaning and with comprehension just say it once uh, <clears throat> you will be forever changed you will not be the same person you were before you spoke that word so and what I'm I'm tying this in to the reality that nothing in existence is separate from love the Father, the divine principle flowing through us. And this spirit is the uh, 
the unified field that is everywhere, in and all, all things, and from the unified field is morphed whatever our intentions put forth, our free will. In other words, free will is at play here. And so in our galaxy, which we are, our galaxy is part of a universe that is multidimensional, and there are many universes. Um, our universe, for certainty, uh, is based on free will. And uh, what the others are, I don't know. But uh, some people feel that some might not be. But I don't know. The point is that this one is, and our galaxy, one of billions of galaxies in our uh, universe, and uh, is just less than uh, 1% of the multidimensional universe, the multiverse. And so adamantine particles are not limited by space, or by time, nor by dimension. They go everywhere. They form everything. They form the dimensions. They form time, if we intend it into existence. They form individuality, the appearances of individuality. And yet, there is nothing that is visible or invisible that isn't unified, a sense of oneness. Now, when you uh, go back into the materials of Michael Newton, like we spoke the last time I talked, and uh, you go into the spirit world in between lives, it is common knowledge there that there's only one of us, and we're all expressing different uh, frequencies of like the rainbow colors of light. We're all expressing a little light. Unique, very diverse uh, in our expression, our experience, we're having a, an experience of the multiverse in our unique location. And based on our free will choice, our passions, our drives, where love drives us, moves us, uh, where love takes us. And so <clears throat> the adamantine particles are constantly forming our intentions, our belief systems, our expectations, um, our knowings, uh, that which uh, we um, believe to be to be true, and that which we love. Now, if we're angry, it may not be a perfect love, but angry and uh, fearful, it could be, you could say, well, that's a, a, a fear of, uh, let's say, fear of loss of life or fear of inconvenience or something uh, is... Um, it's still a part of love. It's like self-love, it's love for self, uh, you know, misunderstood in terms of the grandness of all life because uh, when love is in full bloom, there is no fear. But when we have fear and when we have uh, anger, uh, then we're not seeing the whole picture, but we are still expressing some um, degree of love. That's what I'm trying to say. It may not be, it's not the full-bloom love. It's not the fully knowledgeable, full-knowing love. It's not love expressed as uh, the ultimate source. But that's what life is all about. It's designed to experience uh, limitations as well as uh, fullness and to grow into fullness through experience, uh, fullness of awareness of what is. 
from that awareness, uh, we discover, through the experience, we discover what is, meaning the truth of all life, the truth of life, the love within all life, the unity of all life. We discover that through our experiences and eventually choose that as our ultimate perception. And that gives us the, you could say, the right to experience it, but really it's just a natural outflow. Uh, Whatever we believe to be true, that's what we get to experience. And so... uh, in that, there is no judgment. And, and in the spirit world of Michael Newton's material, there is no judgment. So it's just okay to have a really bad experience, and it's okay to have a really good experience. But the choice is yours. It's ours. And so what I'm driving at with all this description is the, the technical underlying foundational uh, physics, if you want to call it that, but it's really motivational forces that cause our thoughts to become reality, where thoughts become things. And so applying that, he says, when we apply this understanding of how nature is formed and that love is the motivating force giving shape to the material world via the flow of adamantine particles from the unified field, spirit, that imbues all existence and is not limited by time or space uh, or uh, at all. So, um, but we, we have this, we are one with all things, regardless of what it appears like. And when we put forth an intention, those particles rush to give shape to that. Now, understand that these particles are everywhere. So when you're doing Reiki or Qigong exercises or uh, just deep breathing, you are moving into your body and out of it uh, these adamantine particles because they're everywhere. They're ever-present, and there's an endless supply. And they are constantly giving shape, and and your intentions is forming the shape. And so uh, so it pulls it brings us back to personal responsibility because it shows us that our intentions, our passions, our love, or the limited degree thereof, is what has given shape to the realities we currently experience. And there, are no, there is no one more responsible for our personal experience than ourselves. So we are the number one cause uh, of what we have experienced, the shape, health of our body, the condition of our minds, the uh, condition of our finances, the condition of our understanding of life, all the different variances, variables that human existence um, can uh, ex- express and experience, these are, first of all, non-judgment, but secondly, they all we have responsibility for being the former, form, the, the one that gave formation to it. We form it. We put forth our belief systems and our passions, our loves, and uh, however strong or weak it may be, that's what these particles give shape to without judgment, without blame, without shame. It's just an experience, period. That's all. And so it's helpful to observe 
And so Jesus makes a point. He says, when you're looking out a window, don't let the mind be the observer. Let the heart be the observer, like a child. A child just sees what's there, just sees what is. So when you're observing the world without judgment, with just, uh, let's say, interest, curiosity, um, you know, wide-eyed child innocence, and you're looking at what's out that window, and it's just with, it can be with complete joy. Whatever is out there doesn't matter. Right now they're repaving our roads in front, so I see a bunch of big machinery out there. Ah, well, you know, wide-eyed joy. You know, no judgment, no no uh, negative needs to go into that. It's just no assessment other than wide-eyed joy. Um is the best way I can describe this. Uh, the idea is that um, it's okay to have any and all experiences, and it's okay to understand that you have the power to create experiences anew. You have the power to literally reform the body every every moment because we're doing it already. But we have to change our thoughts if we're going to or change our let's say, our passions, our loves, our expectations, the most primal part of our heart. Now, I've always perceived it as the heart, uh, from the issue, from the heart, the life uh, is brought forth. Now, and if our heart is wounded, if our heart is barren in some places, cold and dead, um, or, or uh, distant, or if we're polarized in any way, shape, or form, then we are uh, barren in the heart. In other words, we might have a masculine and feminine nature that's polarized due to judgment, blame, or shame, uh, or guilt, um, uh, and uh, or resentment and desire to punish and all this stuff. These things separate the, mas- the masculine and feminine qualities within us, and then they swing like the you know back and forth, like the figure eight. And they just go back and forth, and the victim becomes the perpetrator, and the perpetrator becomes the victim, and they battle each other forever and forever, and never will the two meet until the heart is healed, and the two become one. Uh, the victim and the perpetrator become one. And and that's where all judgment cease. All innocence is recognized on both sides. And the oneness of all life and all experiences is... Uh, is acknowledged, it is, and it is observed like the wide-eyed child in pure joy. So, uh, I guess that's all I really have to say. I, I, I uh, except there was an example in the Glinda Green book, uh, <clears throat> uh, "Love Without End," that says, "He says, well, how do you know?" She was saying, "Well, how do I use this?" And he says. Do you know that you can um, change the weather? And she said, no, I didn't really believe I had any (laughs) power to do that. He said, well, it's very simple. Uh, With the understanding about the love giving, uh, commanding the uh, adamantine particles that give shape to all physical matter, if you have a tornado in the distance, and you're watching that tornado, and it's <clears throat> headed toward you, or headed toward the uh, 
uh, a town of people with people there you love. You have the power within you to go into that tornado and change the direction or dissipate it completely or have it miss your house and nobody else's or whatever. So in other words, it's all about what you believe is possible. And here's how it's done. He explained it in, in simple terms. So here's how it's done. You look at the tornado with uh, what I'm referring to as the wide-eyed uh, childlike observer. You observe it, and you look for its greatest points, its greatest character, things that you can admire. Instead of fearing it, you look for what the power that it has, the the tremendous um, natural force, the um, you know the strength. Uh, you look for qualities in it that are admirable, just as an observer, not as a judger, not as something to fear, but as something to notice, to observe, and in a neutral way, with wide-eyed joy, I would throw in. He didn't. Uh, that helps me to really get it. Um, and then you go into the center of that powerhouse of tornado energy. And with love, because when you're admiring something, you're loving it. Okay, so you're admiring this thing that you would normally fear. And this is the key point. You are admiring this thing that you would normally fear. And instead of fearing it, you go into it. Instead of rejecting it, running away, you go into it. And you go into the center, and then you you basically command the adamantine particles. And let's say that you genuinely believe that you have the power within you as a flow of divine uh, grace, divine power, flow of love flowing through you, flowing through the Spirit, flowing through you, <clears throat> to go into the tornado, the illusion of the tornado, we should say, and love that into a complete dissipated state. In other words, you basically, with passion and with love and with intention, recognizing the power of the tornado, you, with your love, you pour your love into it until it completely dissipates and disappears entirely. That's, he said, or if you only believe that you can move it to the left or to the right, then you can do that. Or if you believe you can have it come near you but cause no harm to you or your house, you could do that. You know, whatever is within your scope of, of realm of possibility, you are in control of that. He doesn't use the word control, he said, but you are the one that commands the particles to take shape. Now, something gave rise, some intention, some idea, some imagination gave rise to the tornado to begin with. So those are adamantine particles, and you have the power to shift and change them with the power of your knowings. And that comes from your heart, with the power of your love. Now, <clears throat> what this means is it's very important for all of us to clarify or to heal our hearts the inner healing. <clears throat> it's very important for the inner healing of the heart to
to take place. He says that the mind is not a very good uh, master. The heart is the one where we master our lives. The mind needs to be the servant because the mind lives in duality, but the heart lives in unity. This is a very important um, understanding to have. The mind lives in duality, so living in the head is only going to cause <clears throat> conflict, chaos, um, limitation, and and, uh, and and he emphasizes structure. He uses the word structure a lot, meaning <clears throat> the the physical world. Uh, it's going to it lives in the physical world, but the heart lives in the spirit, in the unity, in the unified field, in the oneness of all life. And it speaks from that place of non-duality. It lives from that place. Now, if we're not healed, we live in, uh, in polarity. But if we're healed in the heart, the two polarized extremes come back together into one. <clears throat> and so there is a practice that I like to do. It's pulling <clears throat> whatever is conflicting with me, pull it, connect it to my heart, you know, and connect all my chakras to my heart. So I make sure that there's plenty of heart energy flowing to <clears throat> and through each chakra and back again. And if there's a problem in life, open my heart and observe it. So it's part of a healing process. And then breathe deeply in order to process the adamantine pargos that form the former situation, the former discord, and uh, and to, to build up the love and the heart with uh, deep breathing, both uh, to uh, to reshape the situation or the energy, uh, because remember, adamantines are both energy and mass. So when you change the energy, you change the mass. So we are changing the energy of something by loving it instead of fearing it, by going into it and expanding into it and becoming one with it, rather than hiding ourselves, denying it, suppressing it, and uh, avoiding it. So there's the secret to healing any and all things. These are the secrets to how to manifest a world or how to manifest a new reality for all of humanity and the secrets to uh, healing anything that we desire. Michael? Uh, yes. I don't want to jump too far, but... Uh, there is a brother online one that would like to speak with you. Uh, is it okay now? That can sounds like we could. Call yeah, I just him. finished. I just finished. Okay, so good. I thought I was right. Okay, Marita Robert, this uh, Carlton. Yes, Car Carlton is here, so speak yeah. up, Carlton. Hi there. <clears throat> Hi there. Thank you very much, uh, Michael King. Thanks for joining us again. Um, yes, just want to explore. Uh, this last example um, a little bit. So when we talk about the tornado that we see, or maybe it's a fire, maybe it's a flood, mm -hmm. um, you know, wh wh which, whichever, maybe it's stamp, uh, a stampede. Mm -hmm. um, receiving this occurrence, these occurrences in the way you describe, why would we alter them at all? Mm -hmm. um, choice. It's all about free will. And so, um, since uh, nature is uh, at our 
uh, you could say, uh, at our command. <clears throat> Why not create a world that has um, a, a wonderful um, natural uh, nature, you know, uh, uh, weather? Uh, we can do that. Uh, we don't have to experience uh, limitation, negativity, pain, destruction. We don't have to. Um, but at the same time, if it happens because we create it, first of all, we take responsibility. We did create it. Secondly, um, that it's not wrong. It's not to be uh, imbued with guilt or, or taken as a bad thing. It is what it is. So we do observe it. We do both. Um, uh, I remember in the Life and Teachings books, uh, <clears throat> the masters took some of the scientists, the 11 scientists that went into the Gobi Desert, and took them into some caves that had had not been opened in uh, you know hundreds of years, possibly. Anyway, and they went in there, and there was scrolls, and there was um, artifacts and rooms. They were underground uh, buildings or caverns or something. And they had uh, uh, ancient records, in, uh, ancient uh, inscriptions on stone and so forth. And these scientists were doing the translations of them with the help of these ascended masters. And uh, this, the one cavern they went into was just completely, you know, dust-ridden and, and old and, and, you know, obviously been unattended to for many, many, many years. And with his, uh, the power of his thought, with his heart, by loving the space, he changed the particles and all the, the dust and everything cleared up and, and all you had was pristine, clean floors, walls, uh, and uh, tablets that they, they were there to, to, uh, to examine and translate. So I'm just saying that you know, the material world is arbitrary. So do what feels right to you. That's, that's my answer. Uh, yeah, I think that's important because <clears throat> it does. We, we, I think it also uh, by you uh, presenting this way of, of seeing, it does help us to uh, consider how we look, uh, how we look at the source of some of these uh, um, natural occurrences, as well as. Uh, Others that uh, that occur in society, um, mm-hmm. but uh, <clears throat> just like you said, choice. We by taking action, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, feeling the need that there, we we've had we have to decide at some point that action needs to be taken at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. and that involves making a choice about mm-hmm. how we observe a particular mm-hmm. phenomenon. Yes. Not saying whether it's good or bad, but I, mm-hmm. I think that is a factor. That's a, a component of the process that you're describing. That's yes. that's one that's one thought. The other thought, just briefly, just for fun, uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. your your the, the woman who uh, um, who was pre- who's pre- presented with, uh, with with Jesus and made a made a painting based on that. If she had never seen Jesus before, how did she know that's who it was? Uh, that's a good question. Um, and I forget how she described this, um, but it was, um, actually, I don't know exactly how she described it other than the fact that it was obvious. Uh, Yeshua was the name that 
that she called him. Um, and uh, because she was, this whole thing came about as a result of someone asking her, her husband, what do you think about the idea of painting a picture of Jesus? Now, she had painted pictures, and it was, some of them were in the, some kind of like museum, different places. So she was somewhat well-known. Um, you know, and so she had never painted a picture. She was kind of a scientific mind, a little bit atheist, you know. But um, she, um, uh, and I don't know exactly how, how, how to what degree, uh, but she did um, know that this was all about painting Jesus because she had this picture of him. And the obvious thought was, this is what you will paint. If you want to paint me, here it is. So that's why we knew that was him. Did the entity call himself Yeshua? Yes. To her? Or did, did that come up? I don't know exactly how that conversation took place, but she constantly referred to him as such, and then he talked about things related, events related to his life when he was a child. So I'll tell you one interesting one. Uh, this was <laughs> just recently read. Uh, he and Judas, the disciple Judas that betrayed him, was uh, they were childhood friends. They were best buddies when he was a, a young boy. And uh, Jesus said, um, Judas was the son of structure. That's how he called him. <clears throat> and Jesus was the son of love, the son of God. And, and Jesus, Judas was his perfect opposite. And so it was a perfect childhood. Now, they used to play games together. They would play hide-and-seek, he said. And, of course, Jesus could always hide, and, and Judas would never find him, uh, because he could sit in the middle of a field, and Judas would walk by and not even notice him. You know, that's possible. Native Americans know how to do that, the, the scouts. It's very possible. Um, the... Uh, but sometimes he would just try to show off to his his uh, structure buddy, and uh, he would make a dead limb, a branch, sprout new leaves and flowers or whatever. He just did it for fun. And it would kind of freak him out, you know. But because of that, Judas became a firm believer in Jesus. Now, Judas was raised by a uh, as the Messiah. He, he, he believed he was the Messiah, so he believed in Jesus. He said he was raised by an affluent family, and they lived in the world of structure, so material wealth was a big deal. Status was a big deal. Were you talking about Judas's family or Jesus's? Judas. Oh, okay. And, yeah, Judas. So his world was all about the, the material world, sort of like, okay, maybe, you know, the religious order of the day or the wealthy of the day, and status, symbols, you know, for us it's cars, mansions, whatever, whatever was status to them. Um, that was his world. It was He referred to it as a world of structure. Jesus was a world of spirit. Um, and so the two worlds are, are, are opposite, but they need to come together. They need to be come together in perception, in in our understanding, because they already are together. And that's what the whole adamantine particle thing was all about. It was about to prove to you through 
dialogue and, and description of how life works, how it comes into existence, that the material world is not separate from the spiritual. It is not separate from spirit. You cannot separate the adamantine particles that are commanded by love from uh, uh, from the spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is from which all material existence is derived based on passion and intention and the blueprint that you put out. So that's the point. That's the message here. When he said Excellent. When hey, thank you so much for that. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm, somebody else may be trying to call in. Thank you so much. Okay, I'll say one one more thing, and, and I, I'm open to hearing that other caller. Um, that Jesus, he said that when Judas, he said, she asked him, did Judas uh, ever forgive himself for, for uh, betraying you? Because he said, you know, to the best of my knowledge, the way, the reason he did it is because he genuinely believed if he put me in a tight spot that I would perform a miracle, that I would, you know, uh, make, you know, disappear in front of all the troops that came to arrest him, or I would overpower them and make them all fall down or do something to prove that he was the Messiah and that he was here to rule the earth as a politician. <clears throat> what uh, Judas didn't understand is Jesus didn't come here to do that. He, his kingdom was within. It was the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom on earth. And so what was important, uh, you know, so when Jesus, instead of doing what Judas expected him to do, what Jesus did instead was surrender. It completely devastated Judas, because he thought he had completely failed not just Jesus, but the whole world and the whole future. When he did what, when he betrayed him, thinking that Jesus was going to save himself. And when Jesus surrendered, uh, it completely devastated him. He did not understand that, and he went and committed suicide. So the question is, did he ever, has he ever come to realize that he facilitated the very gift that Jesus came to bring? And Jesus said, no, not yet. So pray for him, he says, because if he ever comes around to the realization that he is the reason why the world now knows that even death can be overcome with love, then there will be a revolution throughout the universe like none that has ever been in the past. And those are my words, paraphrase. Um, so, yes, this is important, really important to understand. Um, there was no judgment in Jesus' eyes, only the beauty of what came about as a result of Judas's choice. When Jesus sees that, just like when we see the love within our choices, regardless of how bad we may have thought they were, and 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 then choose again, then we will be quote saved when we save ourselves basically, change our views back to love. Okay. Any other questions? Anybody on the panel here have a question? <clears throat> um, I wasn't going to question though, but Michael, I was just I was just thinking, you know, as you were speaking that. As we perceive what the teaching is, then there is no judgment at all. And so structure and love are one. There is yes. no difference. There is there no is. difference. 
There is no difference. That's it's the polarity what, coming back together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that's what we're talking about when we're now in Sattvic Yuga. We really are in Sattvic Yuga. We're not in this third dimensional realm at all anymore. And that's just the illusion of what's the past. It's already been passed. Uh, and so, again, the perception of that mm-hmm. is what changes everything. Yes. That's the revolution. That is right. Oh, my. Yes, we can. (laughs) That's right. Yes, we can. Well, thank you, Michael. You brought brought up some interesting um, things. It's like we know about all the stuff, but it's a different perception or a different point of view or a different way of, of explaining the meaning of it or why it existed. And I think it gives everybody some... Uh, some uh, time to ponder and to maybe meditate or just to feel like what is the truth for each one of us mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's so, the evolution of the soul that's the whole purpose of our existence here right anybody else have questions we just solved the whole law of the universe. What what else could there be? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, we thank you, Michael, uh, for uh, uh, stepping in here at the last moment. Uh, as uh, I told you, uh, uh, one of our panel members is away. Uh, she's had uh, uh, a death in the family, and so... Mm-hmm. was not able to be back tonight and so I called Michael at the last uh, uh, to reschedule get this week rescheduled so thank you for stepping in and uh, uh, doing that and it was very good uh, to give us something to think about yes uh, divine timing so I really appreciate the opportunity because I was looking for a way to to actually uh, put this into a recording and so okay. you've just given me that opportunity. I just spoke to uh, Barbara about that just yesterday. So. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know how, how to find it on um, uh, on the, you know, everything is in re, uh, is recorded and uh, online here. So you're, you're free to use any of that. All of our speakers have that option to, to be able to use that. Um, I yeah, see I'll we have... Padme on line one uh, wants to ask a question here. So, okay. Padme? Uh, I, hi there. It's three-part but quick, sort of. Um, I love the whole adamantine particle thing and commanding it. That is just so cool. So cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then is it spelled A-D-M-T, A-D-A-M-T-I-N-E? Adamantine? Yes, like Adam, A-N-T-I-N-E. Uh-huh. Uh, adamantine, T-I-N-E. You can look that up in the okay. dictionary. There's actually a definition for it. And Jesus utilized I was going that. to. I, I just, I thought I would just say how cool it was for starters. <laughs> um, and then I love, it It means something to me in my heart that that Judas really thought that Jesus would be able to get himself out. However, we internalize each of us our own learning of that story. I just, I the, I, I mean, I send him love that he can't forgive himself, but at the same time, I don't know if I mm-hmm. could either forgive myself in some mm-hmm. way. It's something I work on from other lifetimes. Of, mm-hmm. But um, 
but it's fascinating that when you think that he believed in the power of him to, well, that Judas came from such a materialistic background mm -hmm. that that was his filter in which he operated in the world mm -hmm. is a fantastic understanding and that yeah. he really believed that he could do that it makes a lot of sense in, in itself. It's much more self-organizing and understanding that. And then, um, uh, and I love everything you've said. I've been so fascinated. I, I just have been glued to the, the BBS radio app listening. And then, um, and I wondered about Vril. I didn't know for some reason that he was a Venusian. And I've had a couple experiences um, in, in some meditative forms where I think it's those are the people that I've seen or been with in a, in a outer body form. But um, is he still working with on the Earth with our government, or is his work done, do you think? Uh, Valiant Thor? Yeah, Val uh, Valiant Thor, sorry. To my Valiant understanding, Thor. he meets with every new uh, uh, major world leader. I don't know about all of them, I can, probably not all of them. But he meets with, uh, he met with one of the books. Okay, this is all just hearsay within the book, so I don't know, but... Uh, he met mm -hmm. with Trump. He met with uh, Xi Jinping of China. He met with uh, uh, Putin. Uh, and of those three, the, it was <clears throat> stated that he didn't trust any one of them enough to be able to negotiate, again, the peace that he was seeking for the world. And so, uh, for what it's worth, um, there's still a lot of power and control going on at high levels, and these mm -hmm. leaders are not at the highest level. Uh, none of the uh, presidents anywhere in any country are the highest level. They're about, if I understand correctly, uh, uh, 49 uh, or so levels uh, below the top position from a, say, security clearance point of view. So they really don't have the controls that we think. And so there are others who are sort of calling shots or trying to call shots, and both benevolent and not benevolent in the world. And so mm -hmm. uh, the pressures that, are bear, that bear on every global leader are pretty immense from a variety of sources or, or directions, let's say, from different directions, up above and down below and, and everywhere else. So... so we can't really say that they are the ones responsible for the way the world turns out, but there is, uh, there is uh, a, and, and I'm glad you brought this up because there's some some truth here that we really need to hear right now. It's critical. We're in a very critical phase, and the next six months are going to be extremely telltale. And the only ones that can that are willing, let's say, to really make difference in how this is all going to turn out, because it's unknown, are the people, not the leaders. It's we. And so sharing this story about how the power of adamantine particles and the power of love going into any system, no matter how dark it might be, it is a conquering force. And it has power to transform and transmute. And so, and that power lies within every single one of us. And so when we're looking at global events, 
an individual's supposed power, none of the ones who have the true power are visible to us. Yeah. They're really not. And so, yeah. so what's important to know is that many of these orchestrations are designed to keep us divided amongst ourselves as the peons, as the yeah. as the peasants. Okay. Now the sad truth is that we, the people, have bought it hook, line, and sinker. We have believed the divisive narratives. We have chosen to ignore our unity as a human race. We have preferred our entertainment, and we prefer that other people, like the media, tell us what's true. When, in fact, we know in our hearts what's true. We know that we are one. We know that it's up to us to make a decision because the world leaders are bound. They cannot. Their hands are tied. They can only do so much. And, uh, Agreed. And I think people are finally starting to wake up to that fact, you know, even just the stuff I see on Twitter and things. And um, the power of love is, is unbelievably amazing. And I will just say each and every person on our panel teaches that. And yeah. also to Tara and Rama that they teach it all the time on their show. And that, you know, polarity, I think I'm saying this part, but polarity is really the a lazy, low-hanging fruit and feeds the ego um, versus our higher and truer self, higher, deeper, truer self. But um, it's so cool to hear you say all that about love and the mm-hmm. power of love and the power of the particles to, mm-hmm. that we can command them. And yeah. um, But to Tara and Rama, they often bring love into the equation and all their teachings on the radio that Friday night and Saturday. Excellent. So thank you and love to you and everyone out there, I will say. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for calling in. And I see it seems thank like you, we, uh, we can't uh, uh, close this call because we've got uh, um, another um, uh, caller here. Okay. Sure. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yes, speak up. This is Sonia. Hi. Good evening. Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for such a wonderful presentation. And by the way, in closing, because I know it's already past eight, I read that book. I was part of the Benjamin Friend book a long time ago in the early 90s. And it's fantastic. I recommend it to everyone. In fact, I still have a photocopy of the portrait on my wall, and I have written down You will find out, because you said you've read only a third of the book, um, where Jesus says that in order to change wave from wave to particle, Mm -hmm. you must align. So I have a, my my, my mantra, my affirmation is that you move, in order to move wave to particles, I am in, my intention is in alignment with divine force. The intention being the most important to that has to be in alignment yeah. with the divine force and that divine force. I'm sure it's the prior that you're talking about. Excellent. Uh, attention is in alignment with divine force. Intention. My intention, intention is in alignment with divine force, and I say that okay. every single night. I remember looking Beautiful. at it. Yes, and you'll find it in the book somewhere there. I don't know what yeah, page excellent. it is. I didn't write it down as it's quite blurry, but I thought it's very powerful. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much because it is powerful. 
Excellent. It is Thank just you. such a wonderful book, and the the uh, the knowledge of structure and foundation, and and uh, uh, the foundation of society and politics and everything is just so clear. It's so yes. timeless, and yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Can you tell us um, the title of the book? Was it Jesus Speaks or? At the end, it? it says "Love Without End." Uh, Jesus Speaks by Glinda, G-L-E-N-D-A, green as in the color. Love Without End. Okay, fantastic. It sounds amazing. It really does. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's an astounding psychic. She was raised, uh, her name is Shirley Ballstock. I've interviewed her. I don't know that we've had her on the show, but um, she was raised, you know, straightforward Jewish her parents were Holocaust survivors, and she was upset to find out one time when she was a teenager, her sister had gone to a Young Life meeting or whatever they call it. It's for mm-hmm. Christians, young Christian mm-hmm. people. And she kind of yelled at her sister and said, what are you doing going to a Christian meeting? We're Jewish. And mm-hmm. then she <laughs> whisked out of the room and then went into her bedroom, and there was Yeshua himself standing by <laughs> the bureau drawers. And she said, he said, hello. <laughs> and he said, yes, I'm real. <laughs> wow. I love that story. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah. I see, shows up sometimes. <laughs> I see Vinayak here, here has gone to Amazon and uh, has given us a place where to go find the book um, Love Without End, Jesus Speaks and so uh, it must be available there because he's printed all the information out uh, uh, on Amazon uh, for the book So, and she does have a website yeah. it's called lovewithoutend.com and you can see the picture of Jesus there on the website lovewithoutend.com and he has, she has Sunday's meditations as well. Yes. That you can participate in. Yeah. Wow. And so the picture happens to be uh, uh, currently housed in a specific non-denominational type chapel, Christian denomination, and um, uh, kind of not, you know non-denominational. But um, anyway, it's protected there. Uh, a wonderful story about that in the book how that happened. And she painted a bunch of angel pictures, and they just she. Uh, 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 angel, like life-size type angel type uh, panels that became popular. She did a number of those for a while. Anyway, it's a remarkable story of her painting career. Well, we thank thank you, Michael, uh, again for um, pinch hitting for me at the last moment and. Uh, Michael has done this numerous times. Uh, he always has uh, some interesting thing he's currently reading, studying, or doing, and uh, uh, it just is great to have uh, a person like this that we can go to that always has different subjects. <laughs> so thank you, well, I Michael. I enjoy it. It's and an outlet to express. I really appreciate and love you guys. I'm so delighted that we can share this way. Well, we're glad that you're part of it's. Uh, I think you've been on there enough. You could be part of the team. And if you ever decide you want to get on with us, uh, why well, give me a call because we can uh, uh, Skype you in that way, and uh, mm-hmm. you can be on the panel here if you ever want to. So. Okay. Thank you. 
Thank you. Appreciate the invitation. All right. Well, anybody else on the panel here have anything they want to say before we uh, tell our listeners uh, goodbye for the night? Well, I was just going to ask Caroline, did that lady, when she said, uh, when, when Jesus said hello, I'm real, yes, uh, what happened to her? Did she go through transformation or what? Um, well, she came out of this narrow you know, belief system that said there's only one true religion. She started to come out of it and I think began to understand her own gifts as well. She was pretty young when that happened, uh, maybe 19 or 20 of that. And, um, uh, you know, she was one of the presenters at the Star Gathering um, last year. Um, just, just an astounding person. So, yeah, it started to wake her up. It didn't turn her entirely to Christianity, but she began to realize, here's an ascended master, and I need to respect him. Yay. <laughs> cool. Okay. Okay, let's do All that right. everybody now. That's well. <laughs> To all our listeners, we thank you for being present and you contributing, and we thank all of the panel members for being uh, so patient, loyal, and always uh, giving uh, to the group. So we thank all of you, and we bid you good night. We'll see you next Thursday. Good night, Namaste. all. Namaste. Good night, all. Many blessings. Good morning. Good morning, Randy. Thank you, Michael. Oh, you're Thank welcome. You blessings. Thank Music by Stro, please. And blessings to the soul of Elijah Cummings. <laughs>